This conversation is brought to you in part by Produce Careers with promotional consideration from Calavo Growers and Volcano Produce. Hey, everybody. How the hell are you today? I'm doing good. I know you're doing good. I hope you're doing good. Karen and I think you're doing good. We thought we talked about it earlier. We believe everybody's doing good today. I know Karen's doing good because I've already greeted her and welcomed her to come hang out with us. Super excited about my guest today. This is going to be a fun conversation. She's got a lot going on. She's had a lot going on for a long time in this business. And I think this is going to be a fun chit chat. I'm going to shut up, get this ball rolling. Please, everybody welcome my friend. I'm just going to introduce you as Karen Kaplan for free. That's it. That's all anybody needs to know. That's at this point. perfect. Karen's in the house, kids. Pay attention. You're going to learn something today. Welcome. I'm so stoked you're here. This is going to be a fun day. Here, let's see. First of all, you wore a purple shirt. Thank you very much. Nice job. It's so funny. And um, it, the purples are iconic, well-known color. And I cannot tell you how many times I go visit a client and I walk in their office and they're, you know, like, did you notice I'm wearing purple? Thank you. Gosh, you said I, you're stoked. So I've got to, you know, give a little pitch for that little potato behind you, the Stokes Purple Sweet Potato, which is our top selling vegetable. So thank you very I, much, Todd. I work it hard. I really try. I work it hard. And, you know, let's just get on the purple subject really quick. You know, a thousand years ago when this organic thing was, you know, nothing but a postage stamp on a big envelope, um, we went through an experiment of like what color is going to work in the organic deal. And I can remember vividly going into to county country county fair market in Lamont, California, population like three people, and putting color swatches up across her produce department to try to figure out what color to flip the Cal Organic brand into. And when you sit there and you look at purple inside the produce arena, it makes greener look green. It it's makes up. yellow look. It, it takes every single color that's in the spectrum that we deal with inside that department. And I believe amplifies its beauty in a lot of ways. And that's the reason why purple became so predominant. I got to tell you, hey, did I copy it? Maybe. Was it subliminal? Probably. But it's a yeah, hell so of a good So we were really color. lucky, Todd. So when my mom founded our company back in 1962, she was on the LA produce market and she needed a sign for her new place on the market. Yeah. And so she went to the Yellow Pages. Remember the Yellow Pages? Yes, and I do. And she called up the, uh, the sign painter, probably down on Alameda Avenue, and said, hey, I need a sign. And when she came in on Monday morning... It was a pale lavender, not the beautiful lavender of your shirt or of the kind of bluish purple of Cal Organic. And we think that Stein Painter, although he told my mom that it was the only color he had on the truck, we think because she was the first and only woman on the market, he wanted her to stand out. So I always say, thank God he didn't pick pink, right? Female yeah. color. So yeah. that's how purple started back in 62. And too bad I never thought about trademarking it. I don't know if you could trademark purple. Back in the day, I think we could have. <laughs> you probably could have. You know what? You probably could have. You probably could have. I would think that, yeah, you're probably right. You probably could. That would have been, yeah, would have been a hell of a move. Yeah, so thanks for the compliment of a- uh, I, I love it. I mean, it, it's it's absolutely what it is. And, it, and like I said, when you lay them out and you look at it, and your eye, you start to let your eye work for you, right? Because yeah. your, eyes, your eyes do amazing things if you pay attention. And it was like, okay, this is where we need to go because it's going to make things look better and it's going to stand out across all these vast colors of green and, you know, gave us a shot to get some, uh, to get some recognition. So kudos, here we go. We just, we just, we just solved the world's problems right now by picking on color. Actually, when um, I would go talk to like marketing classes at universities and people would say, how did you pick the color purple? We would say exactly what you said. We went into the produce department and we looked to see what color would go well with the bright green and the yellow and the orange. And we said, purple, purple is royalty. Purple means elegance, you know, the crown, you know, and that's how we chose purple. 
right? Because I love it. That's all true. However, we all know it was the sign painter back in 19. Now that's a really cool story. I mean, I, I had no idea that was the case, but God, mm -hmm. you're right. Can you imagine if he wouldn't have had that on the truck? I know. Right? I mean, where it could have been and what it could have done. I mean, think about it. It was like, what a gift. Yeah. If you can believe it, my mom, um, every year on our company anniversary, she would uh, serve purple frosted donuts to all the buyers when they walked down the market and painted the forklifts purple and the hand trucks purple and the walls purple. purple. So we were very much known for being purple. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Let's get into all this because there's so much to share. I mean, you know, you you are running an iconic company. It's been around since 1962. We'll talk a little bit about your mom, but if you wouldn't mind, just give everybody a little bit about what your role is for the two people that are listening that don't know who you are. But if you wouldn't mind, just touch on it real briefly, and I'm going to dive into all these questions because I'm I, I've got a fun path for us to talk about today. Well, up until January 20th, 2023, I was the president and CEO of Frida's Branded Produce, a company founded by my mom, Frida Kaplan, back in 1962. Yeah. She was the first woman on the LA produce market, but the first woman to own and operate a wholesale produce company in the United States. And because no one hired women back in the day, every time a woman wanted to get in the produce business, they all said, go talk to Frida. She hires women. And because my mom was open-minded and the rest of the produce market was, you know, potatoes and onions and tomatoes and lettuce, whenever they had something new and interesting, they would say, I don't sell that. Go talk to Frida. She'll go talk to anybody. And that's how we actually were introduced to the Chinese gooseberry, right. which my mom introduced to America in 1962. Your, your viewers probably know it better as the name she changed it to, and that's the kiwi fruit. So it was my mom that imported the first kiwi fruit into the United States, actually the Chinese gooseberry, renamed it the kiwi fruit. And as they say, the rest is marketing history. So my sister Jackie and I bought the business in 1990 from our mom. And I've been working in the business for a very long time. I'm not going to say how many years. And, um, and shortly, so Jackie and I bought it in 1990. And then my eldest daughter, Alex, joined the company in 2011 after she finished college. And uh, she's still running sales and procurement. And January 20th, 2023, we had a transaction. And now Jackie and I are advisors. I love it. Well, we're going to talk about all the transaction, the whole nine yards. But I think before we do that, there's so many things that I, I want to talk about that are so important. Um, not only not only the legacy that, that you all have created and the culture that you've created are things I want to talk about, but I also want to talk a little bit about your marketing savvy and what you guys have done because you are truly a case study. And, you know, I, I tell young people all the time that I work with, it's like, go pay attention to what Frida's is doing, learn from it. And so I, I want to talk about that a little bit of deep, but I got to, got to get into your mom a little bit because she, I had the great pleasure of knowing your mom, doing things with your mom. She was incredibly lovely lady. One of the things that impressed me the Here most. Yeah, I love, yeah, Can she's you see that? I can. She's yeah, rocking it. That's the picture it. my sister and I both have on our on our uh, desks. Your mom, your mom was incredibly impressive person. But one of the things that I found um, just amazing to me in my career with dealing with your mom is that she remembered everybody. I'll never forget bumping into her somewhere, and she knew my name off the top of her head like I had just seen her two seconds prior. And I thought, wow, what a what a, a great mind salesman spokesman entrepreneur interview. She had all these things that were cooking all at the same time. And it was just fascinating and a great experience to be a snot-nosed kid on that street in Los Angeles, cutting my way, trying to figure out which way 
you know, how to get to sixth and seventh and Myers and all the other streets. I was so trying it's to get so to. interesting. You say about how she remembered you. So here we were in Los Alamitos now in our offices. And every time we had a visitor come to the company, we always brought them up to my mom's office. Right. I don't remember who it was, but I remember someone coming in and she's like, oh, you know, Todd, I remember the first time I met you. And she talked about the conversation and where they met and like, I remember walking out of her office with our guest and them saying, how does she know all that? Know that. Yeah. yeah that was, that was her secret sauce. I hundred percent agree. And it's something that, that I, I took away and learned from early on. I think it's in reflection now as I've got, you know, my career progressing, got older, but it was a pivotal moment in my mind, going back to, to remembering if you, if you show people, you care about them, you train them to care about you. And that was really something that in my mind that I look at today when I write and do different things. It's like, I always think about that. It's like that giving back, that moment of putting somebody in front of yourself, making them feel important, making them feel important in, in how they reflect into your own life is so incredibly powerful. It's become a lost skill in a lot of ways. We become so transactional in our natures. We just blow and go. And we forget about the fact that we're all humans. We all love the same thing. Everybody wants a hug. Everybody wants to feel love. Everybody wants a full belly. There's a lot of things we have in common. And I just think your mom was just so, so gifted. It was quite a blessing. You know, it's interesting because obviously she would do that with customers and growers. But one of the things that mom imparted to my sister and I was to make everybody feel important no matter who they were. So even if we have the fire inspector or USDA inspector or an FDA inspector or, you know, anyone coming to visit the building, we always have always rolled out that we call it the purple carpet um, for them. So what happens is, Sometimes maybe if we needed something done as a favor, they say, you know, those people over at Frida's were so nice to us and they, people go the extra mile for us. Yeah. So I never thought about that till now. But in addition to the way she treated people we did business with selling produce, buying and selling produce, that was her philosophy in general about mm-hmm. always making people feel special. And actually at her memorial, you know, after she passed away three years ago, every one of the 17 speakers that we had speak at her memorial said the same thing. I always felt like I was the most important person in the room when I was talking to Frida. It's an amazing gift. It's an amazing gift that she gave to people. And I hope that folks that had the opportunity or are listening now and and hearing about this opportunity, you know, one of those stop, drop and roll moments where you take a pause and you go, yeah, that's really important. And I remember that, or that makes really good sense. What am I doing? What's my call to action? So if someone hasn't, if one of your, um, listeners has not ever seen my mom or never had a chance to meet her, there's a way you can do that. And that is we had a full length documentary movie made about my mom and our business and our family. It's called Fear No Fruit. And you can get it no charge off our website. We bought the rights to it. So if they go to the Fridas.com website, the bottom right hand corner, it pops up. It's a 96 minute award winning full length documentary, Fear No Fruit. And it starts, it's my mom's the narrator. So it's amazing. It's a, it's oh, a great it's memory. Very cool. We're so lucky to have a part. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. At Produce Careers, we are in the people business. Thanks for listening to Todd Versations. As your trusted executive search firm for the fresh produce, food processing, and agribusiness industries, we focus on outcomes. With over 80 years of combined industry expertise with our global networks, We have the tools and the skills to identify top talent for your organization's strategic hiring needs. Our relationship-driven approach and proven recruitment process deliver the right candidates at the right time. At Produce Careers, we know each hire is an investment. Whether you're looking for the perfect candidate 
or searching for your next challenge. Call or email us today and let us partner with you. Again, you're talking about your mom, 1962, being a total icon. And I love the fact that, you know, you think about the kiwi fruit, right, today. That's just literally in everybody's, you know, vocabulary worldwide. Um, you, you think about that and, and uh, I just, it, it's just kind of an iconic thing. She's brought, I don't know how many hundreds of fruits and vegetables into the marketplace. Over yeah, over 200. Yeah. Over 200 fruits and vegetables to American consumers. So she's the first person who sold California brown fresh mushrooms, by the way. Then kiwi fruit. She was the first person that sold pink grapefruit and mangoes from Florida. But the things that we're more famous for are sugar snap peas, red seedless watermelon, pearl oh. onions. We were the first people that sold fresh herbs into supermarkets, believe it or not. And I remember back before organics were certified that we sold organic produce as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can remember you guys were been a part of it as far as I can remember. Not that that says anything with my brain, but that's a long, it's pretty long time ago. I think at least I can, you know, I can kind of look back that far. How would, you know, I mean, look, bottom line, your mom was a force of nature. She was one of a kind. She was a unicorn out there in this world. There's no two ways about that. How was growing up and then learning from that? You know, how did that shape you? Because, you know, I have to imagine that your mom was 20, you know, your mom was 24, 7, 365. So talk a little bit about that upbringing, if you wouldn't mind. So um, as a child growing up, you know, I was not uh, in, in love with the way my mom was as a mom. And she knew that we kind of settled up with that about 25 years ago. But it was a challenge because mom got up at one o'clock in the morning, kissed my sister and I goodbye. Um, my dad was left at home and she would drive down the freeway to the L.A. produce market. So she'd get there at two o'clock. She'd finish her day at about four or five in the afternoon. So she worked yeah. equivalent to two people's shifts. And then she would come home, get home about 5.30 or six. So quickly, I was the one cooking dinner, cooking all the meals. We had a, a nanny at home that kind of took care of us. And you know, it's really hard when you're a child growing up and your mom's not the nurturing type. She's not there to drop you off at school or pick you up or go to a performance or take you shopping for clothes. I always felt like, you know, it was always resentful of a working yeah. mom because there were no working moms back in the um, the 60s and the 70s. And of course, when she was on David Letterman and when she was the green grocer on ABC television when I was in right. college, all of a sudden I'm really proud. Like that's my mom and that's really cool. But it was a different kind of role model. So it wasn't the normal mom role model. But I, I look back at it now. And of course I have two daughters and you do the best you can as a yeah. parent. So, you know, she wasn't a nurturing person. People in the family actually kind of laughed at her when she got pregnant. They're like, you're, you're going to be a mom? Like, you don't even know how to, literally, she does not know how to boil water. Um, and, you know, we just made do. And so my dad was there in the morning, in the afternoons with us. He ran his business out of our home. And um, the great thing about having a working mom is that when I needed a job in summers or vacations, I could go to work with my mom. And I started driving at a very young age. So you, in California at that time, you had to be 16. Right. So I got my driver's permit at 15 and a half. And mom told me it was okay if I drove by myself, even though I didn't have a license. So what mom would have done that besides my mom? My sister loves to tell the story of it was my mom that um, through my sister and all her cheerleading friends in the back of her car. And they had a fire extinguisher and toilet paper. And my mom was the driver that took them all around the neighborhood to toilet paper people's homes and stuff. So she was really fun, always really interesting 
super into current events, very politically active. So if I look back now, I would say, wow, I wouldn't become who I am today if my mom hadn't have been who she was with her strengths and her weaknesses as a kid. So it's the only kind of mom that I knew to grow right. up with. And I have to say that, you know, now we're looking at 2023. I think she's the perfect mom because she made me tough. She made me independent. She made me outspoken. Um, she, you know, allowed me to be a successful business person and an entrepreneur. And I don't think I could have had that easily if, if I had a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Uh, look, I love what you said. I can totally relate to it. Right. And I mean, I, as, as a parent and, and reflecting back on mine, there's no rule book. I don't care what book you read. There's still no rule book. Um, there's not a real great guide to follow. Right. You're, you're, you're right. winging it a lot of the time. And so, but I, I love what you said about how the overall experience shaped your path forward. And I talk about this a lot. And I think it's so relevant that we don't know what the path, we, we are on a path. We don't necessarily know where that path is taking us. And sometimes the path asks us to go right. And sometimes it asks us to go left. And we make choices along the way and we see where that path continues. And I love how you phrased up the way everything was to taking taking what was and then applying it to what is and looking it back at that going, this would have never been like this had we've done it. So with that being said, I want to talk to you a little bit though about you know what you did with your own kids, right? Because you have this perspective. You're in the you're in the business, you're not you know, you're not slowing down much. So how was it? You know, how did you balance that with your own children when you as they were coming up? I was going to say something about that. So um, I have two daughters who are now 33 and 28. And of course, all they knew was a working mom. And uh, I was fortunate that I found a nanny who started the day that I gave birth to my first daughter. And she stayed with us for nine years. And we're still in contact with her now. And um, she was like my work wife. Like she was the person who took care of everything for me with regards to the kids. So if I wasn't there on her first day of school, I was there on their second day of school because I was traveling all the time. I was running a business. I was doing sales. I was doing everything at the company at that time. And I'm sure they resented not having their biological mom be there for everything. But our nanny, Jenny, was fantastic. And I couldn't have done it without her. Right. And it's so interesting. So my oldest daughter, um, and by the way, both my kids have turned out, I think, fabulous, fantastic. They're both self-confident. They're both successful. They have completely different kinds of careers. But when Alex, um, when she was getting ready to think about having a child, she was very quick to say, I forget to whom, well, you know what, I'm going to do it differently than my mom did it, you know, and implying like maybe the way I did it, the way I raised her, yeah, wasn't so good. So last year on Mother's Day, when both my kids gave me a Mother's Day card, Alex's Mother's Day card, which I still have, says, every day I'm becoming more like my mother and I couldn't be happier. Wow. Yeah. And I just like, oh, my God, I just welled up. But I think what happened is you have to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Like it's really easy as a kid to say my mom wasn't perfect and she didn't do this and didn't do this and didn't do this. But the fact is, and for people listening, if you're a working parent today, you know, you're just doing the best you can, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, that work-life balance or life-work balance is like, it's a pie. And some days the pie is all work and sometimes the pie is all family. And every day you have to make a decision that you think is best for you and your family and your business and your profession. And I was really happy to see that that Alex realized that, you know, you just do the best you can. And 
especially now, I don't think people judge as much. Back back in the day, I think there was oh, yeah. a lot of judgment for me not being there every single day, dropping off my kids, being at every performance and every graduation. Um, but now people say, wow, your kid turned out pretty well. Your kid yeah, no. turned out pretty well. I think that's awesome. I think that's very, very cool. Let's get a little bit about the business. I think because this is just, I, I, I love what you guys are about. And I love, you know, I, I love the way we, we framed up, you know, your, your family and where you're at and your mindset, because I think it leads so beautifully into what you guys have created and what, you know, what all is out there. I mean, and I love what you have on the website and I'm going to read it really quick. It says like the rainbow of diversity that shines through the universe and its people. The world is so full of many incredible diverse fruits and vegetables. So your mission is to inspire colorful, healthy, delicious eating, right? So tell people what that means and where that kind of came from, if you wouldn't mind, and what it means to them as consumers. Well, before my company, um, if you went into the grocery store in the early 60s, there were about 65 products yeah. in the produce department. So you had one or two kinds of tomatoes, one or two kinds of lettuce, maybe two kinds of potatoes. And red so, delicious, gold delicious. Yeah, three smell. kinds of apples, red, <laughs> green, yellow. And so, you know, what happened is my mom opened this um kind of Pandora's box of variety and inspiration. And so, you know, that's what I grew up in. I grew up with my mom bringing home artichokes and we learned how to cook them and we peeled kiwi fruit and put them on fruit salads. And people's like, what's green and brown and fuzzy on the outside? Like who's going to eat that? So over 61 years that we've been in business, we realized that the, that variety is the spice of life and that the products that we introduce really help inspire, make more interesting people's food experiences. And, you know, back in, I'm thinking maybe the eighties when I would go out and give talks about food as medicine, which was, even though they're talking about it now, I was talking about it then is that when people have um, looking at their, their, their diet holistically, they'll say, I need all these micronutrients and I need fiber. And turns out most of the fruits and vegetables that we introduce provide all those. So it's just, it's way more fun. Everybody has to eat, but it's so boring if every day, nothing against broccoli and potatoes, but if you're only having broccoli and potatoes, it's kind of a, a lonely existence and not very fun. And so now when you go um, to the grocery store, and I remember going into a Loblaw supermarkets in Toronto once and just seeing this enormous display of probably 10, 15 or 20 varieties of tomatoes. And I think, gosh, we never would have had that. 60 years ago, you would have had, you know, a beefsteak tomato and a cherry tomato, maybe. So we love our products. And when I talk about them, I've had people say to me, it sounds like this before I had kids. Oh my gosh, it sounds like you're talking about your children, like my passion fruit and my cherimoyas and my purple sweet potatoes and my shallots and my alfalfa sprouts. So, so it's just inspiring. And I actually belong to a professional women's organization. And I was talking to a uh, one of the program committee members a couple of days ago. And she's like, you know what? You have so many interesting fruits and vegetables. Will you give a cooking class for our group of, you know, these super, super successful women in Southern California. And I'm like, I love doing that. I love not so much cooking the products, but talking about the origins, talking about the growers, talking about the flavors makes my mouth water. Just thinking about it. Yeah. Well, look, you- the ultimate goal is to drive and everybody that's, you know, in this space is to drive consumption, right? And to get people to eat more fruits and veg and keep talking about the ways to improve school food, the ways to improve our health, improve the climate, improve the planet. 
we had 65 items only in the produce department today, I don't think we'd be in the same boat. I don't think we'd be in the same. Absolutely. Health would be different. Retail would, I mean, it'd be so drastically different. To your point, it popped in my head. I was, I was traveling. I was in a retail store, 19 different apples on display. 19. Really? I count them. 19. What could you make a choice with 19? I'll take one of each, please. I don't know. But nonetheless, it's like, you're right. It's really, but here's, so have you ever found anything in the fruit and vegetable world that you guys have gotten across? It's like, oh my God, this sucks. We can't sell this. Have you found it? Come on. You gotta be honest. Well, I, I would never say it sucks. Okay. okay but well, I, I said say, it sucked. You don't have to say it sucks. It's not very good. Is that better? Well, I mean, the one product, <laughs> the one fruit or vegetable that everyone talks about is that stinky fruit called the durian. Yeah. We, we can't even sell fresh here in the United States. And when I was in Thailand um, and you go in the grocery stores, they have like a, a picture of a durian with a line through it, like no durians allowed in here because they smell it's like smells like <laughs> gas leak. Yeah, they're it's bad. Like pre pretty um, aromatic. But, you know, we tried a lot of things. It used to be that every single grower or supplier that came to us, literally my mom took on their product. So I remember, this is so funny. So I remember probably 25 years ago, we had sliced kiwi fruit. This is the beginning of the cut fruit business, but we were going to fly in the sliced fruit, kiwi fruit from New Zealand. Okay. It's not even practical, right? Because it's going to no. be in a, in a plane and it's going to be out of refrigeration. Something's going to go wrong. And I remember we were so excited. We were launching it at a, at a PMA trade show. And the buyer from Safeway came up to us. I said, Rick, you have to try this. And he took a bite. He's like, oh, you know, it's really tart and it's sour and it sounds tastes like it's bad. I'm like, you're crazy. You know, it's fabulous. And I realized, you know, you can't do everything, right? No. So, and he was, he was, we appreciate his honesty and we discontinued that product right away. Yeah, I like that. I, I can deal with that. Well, you know, one of the things that we touched on earlier in, in, the, in the opening, and I want to get into it now, is, is you guys are just iconic marketers. I mean, you guys have led the charge, I believe, in the industry in a lot of ways. You've been incredibly creative. You've been incredibly bold. Uh, you talk about things in a mannerism that I believe brings people alongside you, as opposed to, you know, just uh, this blanket statement. There's a reason in, in your messaging that people go, oh, okay. And I think that's incredibly powerful, right? I think it's when you include people in that, as opposed to like, oh, you know, here's a Sharpie, bam, right? But it's you're different in the way you speak to folks. And I love, one of the things that I really love is the names that you guys come up with your product. It just kills me. Behind me, we got the, we got the Stokes behind me, but you're drinking coconuts or the Tiki's. Come on. That's just like, let's have a cocktail right there. That's all that says to me. And then you have your little cum, the kumquats called Pop Joys. I mean- That is my favorite. I love the yeah. package. I love the names. I do too. <laughs> I have to tell you, Todd, though, how we started doing branding and marketing. So that's, what I that's my question. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. Go, girl, go. So I mentioned that my mom didn't cook, right? That I did right. all the cooking. So if you can imagine, my mom is on the LA produce market. Every grower in America is, you know, coming to the market. Free W sell my products. And she didn't know how to cook. She didn't know what to do with them. So she said, well, if I don't know what to do with them, I'm guessing regular consumers and shoppers don't know what to do with them. So that's why she started putting information on the labels. So actually one of the products we first introduced was macadamia nuts in the shell. Okay. So they look like chocolate malted milk balls. It, it took a brick or a hammer to open them up. And my mom um, designed, I never forget. It was a clear bag with a hot pink day glow sticker. Very, un, you know, I catch yeah. it, not very attractive, but there was extra room on the label. And the label guy says, so Frida, there's a little extra room. Do you want to write anything or anything? And she's like, you know, 
why don't you write on there if they tell us where they bought the product, what it was, and if they want recipes and we'll send them recipes. So she started putting those on the macadamia nuts and some of our other products. But she never thought about the fact that actually people were going to write. This is before email, this is before right. websites. So we, at our peak, we were getting handwritten letters to 732 Market Court in LA, 300 to 500 a week. Yeah. Okay. But my mom didn't cook and we didn't have any recipes. She's like, oh shit, what am I going to do? So she got my sister and I together and she said, you got to find recipes for these most popular products. <laughs> so I remember we did cut and paste. We'd go into Sunset Magazine. We'd go into Gourmet. We'd go to the LA Times. We'd cut and paste. We'd glue them on a piece of paper and then we'd run them off on the copy machine. And then we'd stuff the envelopes and send them out to people. So that was the beginning of branding and labeling. I love it. So my mom's name was Frida, obviously. And um, she got the name Frida's Finest was the name of the company. So that was actually the first brand, Frida's Finest. Right. And no one was doing branding at the time. So in the 70s, other than maybe Chiquita would put Chiquita on a banana or Sunkist would stamp the word Sunkist on an orange. Yeah, it should be no stamped one, with ink. Yes. Um, no one did any kind of branding or any kind of consumer engagement. So my mom was the first person, I mean, she was brilliant. And she's the one who said, you know, let's educate consumers, let's get them excited. The side benefit, Todd, was by putting the name on the product, it actually educated the produce manager because most shoppers were women, most produce managers were men. So the, the shoppers come in wanting to know what a kumquat is or a Chinese long bean or ginger root, and the produce manager wants to go in the back room, right? I don't want to talk because I don't know anything about the product. Right. So what would happen is we would label it. We put in a package, we'd label it. And then the produce manager could say, oh, this is ginger root. And you can make tea or marmalade or you can candy it or it's a great flavoring, right? So we educate the produce manager and the consumer at the same time. And then the logistics of getting things out of the front end of a grocery store is by labeling it, then the front end checker we knew how to know how to ring it up. So it was yeah. kind of a trifecta for us. So like, what is the process you go through? Because, you know, one of the things that a lot of times you get, you know, marketing folks together, it, it, it just, you start to spin. It gets to be, you don't really, sometimes you don't ever get anywhere. There's a thousand ideas and nobody can narrow it down to 250. And I imagine you're going through a lot of this because you guys have so many brands. I mean, you have, you know, thousands of things that you guys deal with all the time. So Actually, we don't, Todd. So, so how many do you have now? Yeah. So when, um, when COVID hit in 2020, mm -hmm. we had probably 600 products, Right. but like, and we were primarily retail, but like many people, like what's going to happen with our business during COVID, right? People are, they're going to be able to go to grocery stores. They're not going to go to restaurants. What are we going to do? So I've been looking at the numbers, you know, as a business owner. And I realized that the old Pareto principle, the 80, 20 rule that we got mm -hmm. about 80% of our business from about 20% of our products. So yeah. I made a decision right there on the spot in the middle of March, like we were going to go from 600 products to about 125. Oh, wow. I knew by looking at the numbers, you know, what the top fruits, what the top veg, and then we had a few non fresh fruits and vegetable items. So literally within a week, we pivoted and went from having the six, 700 products to about 125. We're about a hundred right now. Wow. And actually we don't think more is better. Like 19 varieties of apples in a, in a store. Like there's gotta be some dogs there and people are probably buying the envies and maybe the honey crisps, but like, which ones are they buying? So what happened was 
we're looking at our business and then we looked at the retail business and mm-hmm. what we found was it resonated with our clients. We said to we said to our buyers, so what if we just offer you the products that consumers want and that are the best sellers that you're going to have the least amount of shrink and the best sell through? What right. if we just offer you those products? And they're like, tell me more. This sounds fantastic. So instead of having that large range of products, we decided it was better to scale down, to be more, to be more focused. And actually that's that's how we came up with all the names. So we set our top tier of products. Um, we have a, um, a team of people that we work with outside the company that have sure. helped us with our brand refresh, you know, we're on, I think, version three right now. And we said, we know, we know our brand sells really well. We know people really recognize the Frida's logo is how do we make our products stand out and how do we inspire healthy food experiences to your right. first question? And we said, let's give everything a personality. So I remember when they came in and they were coming up with the different names of the products and uh, like dragon fruit, we sell at least three different colors of dragon fruit. And each one has a trademark name. We have snow dragons for the white flesh dragon fruit. We have honey dragons for the yellow on the outside, white and sweet on the inside. And then we have fire dragons for the red flesh dragon fruit. And those names made our products more appealing to consumers. Yeah. Well, you put personality behind stuff, right? You make make it fun. And I think that that's and I think that's a big thing, especially when you talk about items that people aren't used to eating. It's about trying to, again, drive consumption and awareness and change people's perception that, you know, there's more than an apple and a navel orange. Yeah. And you get a little personality behind it. And I think it's incredibly valuable. And I think it's it, it's proving itself. And I think you've led the charge, especially when you see what other companies are doing today with different characters and different things that they're all leaning into. I mean, it's it it it, it works. It's 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 not an it's and I can imagine. So the process has got to be fun though. Is it a back and forth? Are, are you guys fighting? I mean, what's going on? Well, I can't tell you all my trade secrets. Okay, fine. You don't have to. Yes, you but, do. Go um, ahead. You know, there's a, there's a reason there's a leader at a company. And sometimes there might be some fighting back and forth, but someone ultimately has to make the decision. Yeah. And so, you know, my mom used to say she would feel it in her elbows. Like I get a gut level feeling about how something's going to work. Right. And then, of course, you know, we have a lot of consumers in our company. So... Yeah. We see what, how does this resonate with you? What do you think about this? And we might go out to stores and we might test it. Um, and we do a lot of consumer research as well to find out what, what resonates with people. So yes, we have a process um, and I can't tell you what it is. That's okay. But I will tell you that every pr- idea and every product does not come to fruition because it's Probably just not, not yeah. practical. I mean, they say that in, in the innovation space, I know it's less than 10% of new products introduced last so we like to beat that, right? right? So we don't have the bandwidth to be introducing, you know, 10 or 20 new products every year and then only having one or two make it. So we do a lot of testing ahead of time. I love it. There you go, folks. There's your quick lesson. You upstart brands, you young brands coming up, pay attention, took some notes. She's not going to give you all the secrets, but she, you could you could read through the lines. You could figure out some dialogue and discussion. If you're not having, you should be having. One of the things that I think that you have to be I think the, the proudest of and something that I think that your mom has really invested a lot of energy in, and you have too, and your sister has too. It's a big part of your company. Um, you have a legendary cultural environment, probably unlike a lot of places. I mean, growing talent is really in your DNA. And I can talk to my friends, our mutual friends, you know, one of my heroes, Tony Annal, and I go back and 
she, you know, she has nothing, but this was what, this is why, you know, this, this, this is, this is the, yeah, I know she came out. Yeah. It's like this, this is where, you know, this is where I, the water came from for me to grow was from my experience at Frida's. And she talks about it so fondly. So talk to me a little bit about that, because I think it's really important that, you know, businesses are trying to find themselves and what do they want to align with and all these other things. But why does creating the right culture matter to you? Well, I think everyone should enjoy coming to work. Yeah. And so that's that's how we created the culture. So fortunately, when I joined my mom, um, she was willing to abdicate running the company. So she just loved promoting and introducing new products. She really didn't like to run the company. And I loved to experiment. I always felt like Frida's was my little Petri ditch. And I was a scientist. Yeah. And so I did a lot of reading. I went to a lot of seminars. I asked a lot of questions. And I found out what resonated with me. Like I wanted to feel good when I came in the office. So if you walk in our building right now, you can see it's colorful. It's open. We have a really nice kitchen. We bring in samples. Uh, people are made to feel welcome. I talked about my mom always making people feel, sure. welcome. people feel welcome. Whenever someone comes to visit us here at Frida's, they oftentimes say, wow, everyone seems so happy. Like, I mean, we don't have a you know, we're not the only company where people feel happy, but they really pick up on that vibe. And I think that people are people and you have to, you have to want to treat people as individuals. And that was what was really important to me and to my sister and to my daughter, Alex. And so that culture is, it's a combination of that family feel, right? Because we're Mm -hmm. not some big corporation, um, yet a culture of accountability. So, I've read a lot of books and, you know, one of the things that makes people happy is to, they can find that on their own, like that they're making a difference. So right. they're not meaningless in their job. And so we put a lot of energy into making people feel important and giving them recognition and, um, and making it fun. Yeah. I mean, we have a couple times a year, we have, you know, we have people that live outside of California, the work for us. So we bring everyone in a couple times a year. We have one coming up uh, the end of February and we do fun things. You know, we, we think the bonding between the team members actually increases productivity and makes people more successful. So it's not like they come in, do their job and go home is like, they feel like they're part of a team. They feel like they're part of a family and we really promote that. And we invest in that. And I think that's the key and being honest and authentic so I think that there are a lot of companies that do fun stuff, especially up in Silicon Valley, you know, sure. the, you know the free food, all that kind of stuff. That does not make a culture. To me, that personal connection between people and, and feeling validated and valid that you're making a difference really, really helps contribute to a really great culture. And then sometimes there's bad news. So you have to be willing to be honest as a leader to deliver the bad news as opposed to the, you know, bullshitting people. And I think that contributes to a culture. So I remember years ago sitting down with our entire team. I have um, monthly meetings with everyone in the, in the company, just kind of an update meeting and saying, you know, it was a rough quarter or we're coming in a tough period, or we had a, you know, bad week last week, people appreciate being in the know. And I think that that promotes that feeling of if you're in the know and you're respected and you know you're making a difference, like that's where you want to work. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. At Produce Careers, we are in the people business. Thanks for listening to Todd Versations. 
as your trusted executive search firm for the fresh produce, food processing, and agribusiness industries, we focus on outcomes. With over 80 years of combined industry expertise, with our global networks, we have the tools and the skills to identify top talent for your organization's strategic hiring needs. Our relationship-driven approach and proven recruitment process deliver the right candidates at the right time. At Produce Careers, we know each hire is an investment. Whether you're looking for the perfect candidate or searching for your next challenge, call or email us today and let us partner with you. I love it. I mean, I, and it's such, it's such a, and, and your perspective is so great because you, you know, you're, you're that generation that can look back at what your mom did and that, and now you have your daughter involved and you can look forward amongst that generation. So your perspective is incredibly unique. And I appreciate what you had to say, because I think it's really important that people recognize how, like we talked about, you know, you show people who care about them, you're training them to care about you too. Right. And so it's really important that your culture defines that it's not necessarily about every PO. It's really about what to take to make that PO happen. And it's incredibly powerful, I think. And, and we invest in our, our team. So yeah. it's not unusual. And I'm going back in the nineties where we brought in outside trainers to conduct, to teach people how to conduct a meeting, right. Yeah. And how to have a dialogue with a coworker. I remember we probably had about a hundred people at that time and half were Spanish speaking and half were English speaking. And we taught it bilingually. The, the class out in the warehouse. Remember the tables around the warehouse. And by investing in people, they want to stay with us. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important. Like your point, people want to, you know, people want to be made to feel good. They want to, they want to put value. And if they feel like they're putting value into something, it just thrives. People thrive in that environment. It's so incredibly important because there's a lot of places just suck to work at. A lot of places that just don't have they have culture for lack of a better word, but they don't have anything that inspires people. And I think when you're dealing in something, especially as perishable as fruits and vegetables are, people need to be on top of their game. They need to be inspired. They need to know what the win is. They need to know what the losses are and they need to know what the challenges are because it all affects everything so drastically. You know, you're not pulling widgets out of a warehouse that you made six months ago. It's just not quite that simple any longer. Yeah, the so I appreciate the I perspective. I don't think the produce business is for everyone, though. I think the it's not it's not the widgets is, you know, we brought in people on our team that have never worked in produce. And I remember we had a salesperson once where, you know, whatever we quoted, you know, Meyer lemons or something. And then all of a sudden there was a freeze or it was raining and we didn't have the product. And the sales reps like, what do you mean? You told me last week we were going to have it. I'm like, well, it's produce. So part of our culture is we have to have fun. Right. So after especially during COVID. After enough of those, what do you mean you don't have it? You told me you were going to have it. I had t-shirts made for everyone in the company. They're gray, right? So it's not a super happy color. And it's white. It says, I love produce with a with a wink. Next <laughs> year, I love produce, right? Yay. I love <laughs> it. Kind of have fun. You kind of have you got to laugh well, let's let's get into the next chapter. We talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but let's, let's talk about a little bit with Legacy Farms. And I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's a new journey for you. It's a, it, it's exciting journey, no doubt. And I think if anybody knows anything about legacy, if you've had the opportunity to deal with them or know anything about them, I, one of the things I think that they are known for and pride themselves on is providing better service than anyone. So that's a big deal. So tell me, how much did that play into your family's decision You know, when you're looking at, at what you wanted to do next? Well, I'm going to just go back a little bit. So um, Alex had a baby a couple of years ago and she came back from maternity leave. She was, you know, director of sales, but she came to me, you know, and 
she was nervous and I had hired a business coach for her. So the coach had said, you better talk to your mom. So she came back and said, you know, I love this business um, and I want to work in the business, but I don't want to own the business. So that was two years ago. So when she said that, that, um, that made Jackie and I, you know, we're not, we're not spring chickens say, well, gee, what's our, what's our succession plan if Alex doesn't want to own the business? So um, we actually, you know, went to market. So we marketed the firm and we already had an idea who we thought was, was um, on the short list of companies. And from the very beginning, legacy produce here in Southern California was on that list. And we got to know, um, Jackie and I got to know the CEO, Dan, um, early, early in the process, we still went through the entire process. And the thing that we really liked about the company, besides the fact that the owners of Legacy and Calfresco were people that Jackie and I, my sister and I grew up with. So right. it, was, it wasn't like some, you know, private equity firm you know, doesn't know what they're doing, is they love produce just like we do. And Dan's passionate. And we thought it was a culture fit. That the way that he approached business, his philosophy of running a business, the whole thing on customer service, that's really huge for us. And they said they loved our brand and that they didn't have anything like that. And Legacy is more of a regional player right? here in Southern California, and they do mainstream fruits and vegetables. And we're national in scope and international in many ways. And, um, and we sell anything but regular produce. And so it was kind of a perfect compliment. There was no overlap. Right. And so, you know, we had to go through the process and uh, I have had a few business owners contact me for advice on what it's like to go through that process. And that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But in the end, Dan and I really connected and we had a level of trust between each other. So, and he said to me at one point, he said, you know, if it's just you and me doing this deal, it would probably be, you know, less paperwork. But of course, you know, his company is owned by private equity and, you know, they have to do an audit and we have to do our side of the due diligence. And um, but that that trust between us is really what made things happen really quickly. We um, we went through the process very fast, faster than anyone has ever done. And we closed on time which if you've ever gone through a transaction, that's not usual. That's not usual. I've never done a transaction before. And so I'm really, really excited. So today um, that we're taping this is Thursday, February 2nd. So this is day nine of post-transaction. And um, I'm an advisor and my sister Jackie is an advisor to Dan and anyone else who needs our advice. And I just met with him this morning and he's like, this could not be going better just because we have this open dialogue and this high level of trust. And I think that I've talked to many of my friends who've sold their businesses and some of them, they just get tired of the spreadsheet reporting and someone not understanding what the, the, um, the genesis of the business was and right. the relationship with the customers were, and it's all about the numbers. And what I love about Dan is in his first nine days working with us, he's already made some deals happen that we just couldn't figure out how to get done. Just with his, just his um, perspective. Passion, sure. His, pardon me. His perspective. Yeah, and and his passion, his get things done. Because you know this business is fast. You oh, know yeah. that. Like literally, if you're not nimble, you're gone. 
And so um, he's really added a lot. And Jackie and I both love working with him. And he and Jackie, uh, he and Alex, you know, are working together very closely because he's the CEO. She's director of sale. Oh, excuse me. VP. She's got a, a vice Don't president. Demote got a Don't promotion. demote her. Yeah. So she's, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to demote her. Um, she's doing great. And so it's really exciting to see. I think that when I think about, um, well, let me tell you about the day that we announced yeah. the transactions. So I, uh, I posted something on Facebook. It was literally a Zoom meeting where we had like 20 people on it, all the bankers, all the lawyers, me and Jackie. And, you know, they asked two or three questions and push the button. And all of a sudden, you know, we don't have the company anymore. But, but what we did is it was very important to Jackie and I and Dan that we personally tell everyone. So we went around and had small group meetings that morning. And then we hosted, Jackie and I hosted this huge luncheon for everybody um, where they could just, you know, calm down and just yeah. relax and just, you know, enjoy um, the moment, if you will. And taking that care with people, I don't think it's usual. I think most people, not most, but many people who sell their business are like, okay, done. Thank See you. Bye. I'm out yep. of here. And we weren't that way. That's why we're here. Jackie and I are still here. Not every day, but we're here and we're doing everything we can to make the, the process of the change of leadership go as smoothly as possible. And I think that that really makes a big difference. And that's part of the culture that we talked about earlier. That's part of the culture. It's still going strong. Yeah. And you're hundred percent right. You know, fear is a big problem culturally when these things go down, especially if, especially if it gets out of the sewing circle and starts to spin out of control, like, cause you know, somebody over here says blue. By the time it gets to this guy, it's red. And this guy's talking, yeah. you know, yellow over here. It we gets kept to be a it little very, bit very tight. No one, actually no one yeah. outside the three of us knew. Yeah. That's a challenge that we, uh, yeah. yeah, it was really hard not to, to tell people what was going on, but the fact is, you know, Human nature is, if you have a secret, you're going to tell somebody. You might tell oh, yeah. your best friend, you might tell your spouse, you might tell someone who you don't think is going to be involved. And the next thing you know, it's in the paper. Here right? it goes. Yeah, so, no, you're 100% um, right. Yeah. I've gone through it. I get it. I, it's, 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 uh, it's, it could be a trying time. There's no two ways about it. What about from the customer standpoint? What do you want the customers to know about all this? Because that's really, you know, where the rubber meets the road. And it's often, you know, incredibly important. And I think it's in their minds like, well, what does this mean for me now? Being, you know, loyal, free to come. What, what's next? Can you touch on that real quick? Well, you know, when you go through the due diligence process, you know, Dan and I called some of our customers, some of our top customers and gave them, they, you know, kind of, they gave us the green light, like everything's good. And um, every single client um, and supplier was super excited because they could tell by talking to Dan that his philosophy is really similar to ours. And he's not in any way not following anything that we have set up, any program or anything we've set up. And for our clients, we think the resources are even better. So for those clients that we're not doing business with Legacy, that do business with Frida's, I mean, our phone's been ringing off the hook just saying, what else can you sell us? And other people who do business with legacy who say, you know, I love Frida's, but I've never really done business with them. Can you help me do business with Frida's? Right. So I would say that um, stay tuned because we have some really, really exciting things happening and we're expecting some pretty aggressive growth. And I mean, everyone in sales and buying is very, very excited. Good. And I think the customers will be too. I think it's, yes, look, it, they it, are. Business trajectory is always interesting to follow, and it's neat to see that that y'all did this, channeling your inner Frida. I guarantee that, and getting it to a place 
that you're proud of and that your mom would be proud of. And you made decisions. I know that she, there's no way that those decisions didn't have her in the back of your mind every time. And I think that's incredibly powerful. I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so pleased for you yeah. guys. It's, it's really, really cool. I want to throw you one final question at our time as we wrap up hanging out together today. What's the phrase good food equals joy mean to you? So I love eating fruits and vegetables. So my kids will say that for years and years, we would go out to dinner or be at home. And I would just love the feel and the taste of the, the crunch of the fruits and vegetables and the juiciness. And to me, that brings joy. And so I think that if you look at a platter of fruits and vegetables, um, as opposed to, you know, and I'm not vegan. Say it, vegetarian, just say whatever but, you want. But I'm maybe they heading that me. way. Is, you know, you look at a slab of meat or something like that, or bread, and you think, wow, fresh produce brings you joy. And so I think that whatever you put in really can, can you know, promote good health. And to me, yeah. that's joyful. So, yeah. and, you know, I love produce. So there you go. I love it. I love it. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being so open and honest and transparent and sharing your family the way you have chatting with me today, sharing a little bit about what you all are up to and talking about like all of it. I mean, and thanks just, for wearing purple, Todd. I mean, <laughs> I got to well, no, do that. It, it's funny that you did that. And I don't know if you did it on purpose or it was just by accident, but you know, that's how I kind of feel the joy and the love of produce is almost everyone that we run into, you know, has a story about, you know, they wore purple when they came to Frida's and where they wanted to honor our company. So we, yeah, love, no. we love the industry. Well, you're welcome. It was on purpose. And I, you know, I channeled my inner Frida this morning before we got rolling today. And she I says did thank I, you, by the way. I, that would be freaky if you actually knew that she said that, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's, thank you. It, I love it. Okay. <laughs> but it's truly an honor. And I've, I've always appreciated your company and I've appreciated chatting with you. And I've just, I love watching Thanks, what man. you do. I could tell, I, like I shared earlier, you, it's really, if you're a young marketer out there, figure out how to pay attention to what they're doing because you'll learn something. I guarantee it. Or they'll challenge you to think differently in your own, in your own lane that you're in, but congratulations on your path. Thank you. you. Know, like we talked about, it's incredibly awesome. I'm just, again, just congratulations to you and the family. And you know, I'll see you probably on the golf course before I see you in the office. Yes, probably. So thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks Todd. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. We love you, too. We appreciate it. I hope this was inspiring to you. It was to me. What a great conversation. What a great way to plant some seeds for your own future. Challenge your thinking of what you do. Get a little education by getting on the website and figuring out what Freed is up to today. And check out Legacy because they're worth looking at. They're legit. And I, I, I like what they're about as well. So I appreciate you being here. Check us out on social media, TLC underscore Todd Versace. You know why I'm on social media, Karen? Take one guess. That? Because the Kardashians are. And I'm a huge Kardashian fan. No, I'm kidding. That's absolutely made up bullshit. Anyways, thanks everybody for being here. We appreciate you. Remember, go inspire somebody today. It's incredibly important. Just a simple hello can make somebody's day so much better because you don't know what path they're on. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.